Welcome to today's podcast. Today we'll be looking at the poem A Child's Sleep by Carol Ann Duffy. As with all podcasts, if you haven't read the poem yet, can you please go and do this now before you start to make your annotations because everything will be much clearer. If you're ready, grab your anthology, pens and highlighters and let's start. A Child's Sleep I stood at the edge of my child's sleep, hearing her breathe. Although I could not enter there, I could not leave. Her sleep was a small wood, perfumed with flowers, dark, peaceful, sacred, acred in hours. And she was the spirit that lives in the heart of such woods, without time, without history, wordlessly good. I spoke her name, a pebble dropped in the still night, and saw her stir, both open palms cupping their soft light. Then went to the window. The greater dark outside the room gazed back, maternal, wise, with its face of moon. Although highly personal, watching your child sleep is a universal occurrence. Every mother has at one point stood and watched their baby in their cot, watched how peaceful they are, not wanted to leave. And although this, from the first stanza, is obviously incredibly personal to Duffy, the title with its indefinite article and common noun cement the universal aspect. Similarly, the structure of five quatrains, which all follow the ABCB rhyme scheme, imply uniformity. This has happened before and will happen again. According to Duffy, sleep is a place, one that she is on the edge of. She cannot enter. However, she also can't leave. I think every mother has probably felt this at one point or another. You wish for your child to fall asleep, for those moments of peace, but once they do, you can't tear yourself away from this image of harmony. The personal pronoun I, repeated three times in the first stanza, infers how personal this experience is to Duffy. The possessive pronoun my adds to the intimate nature. This is a special moment between mother and daughter. The paradox, I could not enter, I could not leave, supports the earlier idea of the quandary the mother is in. She can't enter her child's sleep, but she can't leave the bedroom. She's caught. Stanza two begins with a metaphor. Her sleep was a small wood. This direct comparison to the natural reinforces the idea that sleep is a natural state and the adjective small also refers to the size of the child. The poem is clearly about the feminine. Her sleep is perfumed with flowers. The ascendetic parataxis in line three, dark, peaceful, sacred, again reinforces the positive connotations of the sleep. The adjective sacred implies that sleep is something to be respected and cherished. It's almost in a religious experience. The metaphor acred in hours combines both time and space. Acred implies space, but her wood is small. 
Perhaps this juxtaposition implies that although sleep is measured in hours, when you're in it, it has no boundaries. It's endless. Now, unlike some of the other poems we've looked at by Duffy, the end stop lines and greater use of punctuation mimic the child's sleep. As we, the reader, pause to breathe at the full stops and commas, so does the child. Stanza 3 begins with a conjunction AND, continuing the idea that sleep flows naturally. It is endless. There's the sense of the magical here. The metaphor spirit is used to describe the girl, almost as if she's from another world. She's not an earthly being. She lives in a dream world. The angelic image continues with the image of the child being at the heart, the centre, the middle of the wood. Think carefully about what the heart represents. How could you link this to the child's sleep? Now, such woods, the plural here intimates that it's not just one child, it's any child, and all sleep inhabits another world. When you're asleep, are you aware of time? Does it have a history? No, it's beyond what we can conceive as humans. The use of anaphora here, without time, without history, explores the idea of a boundaryless sleep where dreams are uncontrolled. She is described as wordlessly good. There's no explanation needed. It's a fact. Stanza four begins, I spoke her name, but the child's name is not given. This again supports the idea that this child is a representation of every child. The natural metaphors continue as her name is described as a pebble. The reader can imagine the metaphorical ripples created in the still night as her name is said. But how much effort does it take to drop something? Look carefully here at the verb stuff he uses and think as to what this implies about the mother. The plosives in pebble dropped literally disturb the still night. Where is the sibilance employed by Duffy throughout the poem, such as in she saw her stir, conveys how quiet the scene is, almost through whispers. The girl's cupped hands are the source of the soft light that Duffy describes. She shines. In the final stanza, there's a shift of focus. We move from the room to the world outside. The alliteration went to the window complements the gentle movements of the mother as she traverses the room. The sejura in the first line shows our change of focus. Now the repetition of the word dark here in stanza two referring to the sleep, here to the night, links the child to the wider world. The personified night in communion with the mother gazed back Think about the verb gazed. It has connotations of awe and wonder. And even though it's an experience every mother will have had, when you are looking down at your own child, it feels like you're the only person in the world to have felt emotions as deep and as strong as you do. The night is again referred to as female, maternal, wise, with its face of moon. The moon is a feminine symbol, representing the rhythm of time as it embodies the cycle. So it's apt that the poem ends with this image of femininity, linking mother to daughter 
to the wider world. Thank you for listening to this podcast and I hope you found it useful. If you have any questions, please contact me through the usual channels and I'll speak to you soon.